I'm just so excited to be able to talk on this wonderful subject this morning. And we've entitled it A Generous People. I think that was Charles that chose the, the um, subject. And um, in this passage that we read together, the Apostle Paul, he's encouraging those Christians at, at Corinth to give what they could for the cause of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether it was, in, it was so dear to Paul's heart and so close to his heart, because he wrote about it to most of the churches to which he wrote. And uh, when writing to the Philippian church, he said, the gifts that you sent, which were to help and support him, are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So he wrote prolifically, but Christian ministers through the years have found this subject a great challenge. On one hand, they know that God wants each one of us to be fashioned in his image. And one great aspect of God's character and personality is that he is the most extravagant, extraordinary and sacrificial giver. His giving knows no limits. And he gives freely in abundance and he wants his children to be just like him. But on the other hand, the Christian minister is very often supported by the very people he's preaching to. And that puts him or her in a bit of a dilemma. If they teach fully God's desire and intention for us to be extravagant, sacrificial givers, just like him, people may think they're just trying to feather their own nest. In fact, there are some that do. Of course they're going to ask us to give more, we think. Their bread and butter depends on it. And that's why I'm glad that this topic is in our church calendar right now before our new rector Dave arrives. Now God I'm sure we'll lead him to speak on this subject some point in time. And I can't recall our planning for this. I don't think we deliberately place this topic right now. But I do believe that God's Spirit has been at work quietly, gently guiding us as we prayed about what we should focus on each week. And it's my, my part to play on this wonderful topic and I have to say it's a topic that fills me with joy and delight. I'm just so excited. I just hope I can just put across some of that excitement to you. I, I look back and I thought, goodness me, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, I put some of my thoughts together and I wrote a little booklet 
grace giving and uh, it's it's on the web but uh, i mean it's, it's something you can buy but but it's also on the web on a website that um you'll see that there's a, just a reference to it up there that Paul's, Paul's put up 20 years ago and I'll just, just read you a little bit from the preface of, of what, what I wanted to say our father he wants to overwhelm us with his grace so that instead of giving because we're commanded to or from a sense of guilt we give from the heart joyfully exuberantly and effectively and if this little pamphlet that I wrote helps you have a deeper experience of the grace of God working in you and through you then it will accomplish its purpose I wanted to share that with you because it's there. It's something that God put on my heart. And you might find, if you refer to it, that you'll find some encouragement there as as well. But the first thing I want to do today is set us some homework. And no, of course, it's not school. So you don't have to do the homework. It's just a suggestion. But I've put this up because earlier this week, some of us were encountered this passage I think it was part of the UCB prayer for today if I remember rightly from 1st Chronicles 29 and um, don't worry about the if you can't find that the text is uh, easy to read 1st Chronicles 29 if you read that if you just have an opportunity to sit down quietly sometime this week put your feet up open your bible just read first chronicles 29 and just ask and allow god just to stir your heart because this is the account where king david is encouraging his people to give and contribute for the work of building the temple David wasn't going to do it. All he could do was just get some folk to contribute beforehand. Solomon, his son, was going to do the building. But David, he just had this opportunity for folk to contribute. It wasn't their normal, regular giving or anything like that. It was just extra. It was something they wanted to do. And this account goes through and it talks to you about what David said to the people and his prayer to God and then the chapter finishes with David's death and Solomon becoming king it's almost the very last thing that David did pray as you read it that God will reveal to you something that is on his heart for the building of his temple and I don't mean a temple that's built out of stones and mortar built with human hands it's the living temple that God is building right now with you and me being stones as part of that structure it's for his dwelling place and if you read this passage maybe like me you will just marvel 
that some of those words that were written down there 3,000 years ago in a different age, a different culture words that will speak so eloquently and powerfully to our own hearts on the subject of abundant and joyful giving and this is this is the point that I was reminded of as we sang that song of praise well, all those songs of praise but particularly that last song of praise and the opportunity to lift our hands to praise God together because right at the end the words are on the screen but you might not be able to read them David said to the whole assembly praise the Lord your God so they all praised the Lord the God of their fathers they bowed down prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King and I was reminded how in our reading the Apostle Paul said something similar he said the the service you perform it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people but it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves others will praise God and I as I reflected I thought isn't that amazing I mean we might feel that folk will be full of thankfulness and praise God if they win the lottery but here were people giving sacrificially abundantly generously and you think well some of them perhaps will be thinking oh maybe I gave too much oh I hope I'm going to be able to survive the next year but no none of that none of that what this giving stimulated in them and in others was great thankfulness and praise to God and that that's an aspect of giving that I never really fully realized before I mean there are all sorts of in that booklet I mentioned I don't think I really talked about that at all but God uses the sacrificial giving of his people to stimulate and to bring about a great overwhelming thankfulness and praise to his name and if that's anything that we desire for our community it is that the people around about us not just us but the people around about us will be full of thankfulness to God praise to God honoring his name worshiping just saying thank you Lord thank you that'd be wonderful if we could hear those echoes of praise around this community in the next few weeks months and years now at the heart of this whole question of giving there is one essential principle and it is this it is our call to be like Jesus so on this next slide that Paul's going to put up on the screen the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians oh is it one that I've missed out Paul called to be like Jesus maybe I missed oh there it is yeah 
Again, print is a little bit small. It's something that we people who speak from the front are often guilty of. We try to cram everything in. But anyway, this is what, you'll know this, many of you off by heart, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. This is the heart of the matter. This is the, the heart of God's giving, his abundant giving, generous, overwhelming giving character because he gave of himself even to, to death. He gave everything so that we might be redeemed, so that we might experience his blessing and his provision. And that is the reason why God's people, his children, give. It's not because there's a commandment that says give. It's not because there's a sort of an expectation or a rule that says, oh, if you're going to be a good Christian, this is what you need to do. It's because this is the very heart of God and his longing is for us to be like him. And that's why this little passage, Paul starts by saying, have this attitude in yourselves. Oh, you just think of the parent when their little child just responds in a way that really delights their heart. And that child begins to exhibit something that they appreciate what the parent appreciates and they, they want it too. And they want to share together in, in the joy of that moment. That's how God is with us. He longs for us to share his desire to give and to give and to give in order that blessing might be accomplished. And all of this is illustrated by the circle of harvest, the sowing, the dying, the fruit bearing, and the harvest. Because Jesus said, did he not? I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit, many seeds. And he spoke about 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 fold, an abundant provision. And this is the cycle, the, the wonderful cycle that God has put in the whole of creation that we experience and enjoy. And it is the same cycle that reflects God's 
character and the way in which he builds and which he develops and brings blessing so we sow and the seed that we sow is so tiny so inconspicuous so nondescript no bright colors there just usually just a bit of brown or beige tiny and if you look at the earth later after the plant has grown the remnants of that seed are just decaying away it goes in and dies but what it produces is this amazing plant or bush or tree and the fruitfulness that is produced on it sometimes a hundred times as much as the one seed that was put into the soil I've put a picture up the next picture because as I was preparing this now I can't say to you God spoke to me well I am going to say to you God spoke to me but it, was, it wasn't a voice it was just a thought go and have a look at your raised vegetable garden so I looked out the window and then having looked I went out with my camera and so on the left hand side there is the vegetable garden look at that still got the debris of winter on it mud mud glorious mud and the thought came to me you've done things with your grandchildren suppose now you say to your, one of your grandchildren let's go and get some of that mud and make a carrot well actually if it was clay we probably could at least fashion one and then perhaps bake it and make it hard and then paint it orange but you're never going to eat it but then it just as if of course you've probably had this revelation time and time again but to me it was just something fresh and new God said I made you carrots out of mud and so he did I mean we planted the seeds but they for the most part except for the sort of life within them they just died and decayed what caused those carrots what contributed towards those, that juicy flesh it was the mud it was the rain it was the air but primarily the mud was transformed into a wonderful harvest and, and God just seemed to speak so profoundly to me this harvest the harvest it is my doing I just ask you to plant a seed and I'll bring a harvest oh that's just such a, a beautiful picture and it shows us what God is like look I'm going to show you some slides about our uh, I, I've, I sort of leapt on a head Paul I'm sorry about I've got out of order let's go back to those slides about our church finances 22-23 so that finished I think at the end of September 2023 
And uh, I put it on a pie chart, not asking you to look at all the details at all, but you'll see that there's various areas of ministry. Um, there's the maintaining of the church building and the maintenance and paying electricity and all the rest of it. There's a big grey area at the bottom for paying off the loan. There are sections on the left-hand side which have to do with ministries, of all kinds of ministries. Everything we do together, the resources that we need to pay for that. And then there's a little section right up the top, top left, which is an exceptional one, a brown area where we had to pay some lawyers' bills for this separation of our church from the Scottish Episcopal Church. But nevertheless, this was the provision God provided to enable us to carry out our ministries. And you'll see on the right-hand side, there's a little uh, bar chart there, or, or um, what do you call it? Not about, but anyway, whatever you call it. Income in blue there, the expenditure in yellow, and then just a little bit at the right-hand side, just to say that's the surplus. We finished with a little, little bit of surplus, and it's, it's all in thousands of pounds, so 244,000 that uh, we received as income. In actual fact, the overall finances are much, much more than that because I haven't included in here all of the expenditure and the income from the cafe. So that's, I've just kept that separate. So this was that last year. On the next slide, you'll see this coming year, which will end the end of September, and I put a question mark, 23-24 question mark, well, because we don't know. The best we could do is make a prediction. And the prediction is made on the basis of the first three months of this financial year. And all of the expenditure is very, very similar, except in the top left hand, this big brown splodge, that's not lawyers' fees anymore. That's just the costs of employing a minister, stipend and the housing costs and pension and all expenses, all, all of these things. That's the projection for what that's going to be once Dave starts at the beginning of March. And you'll see that the income is projected on the basis of the first three months and the expenditure is just a little bit more. So there's, instead of a little black surplus on the right, on the right hand side, we've got a little little red deficit but actually that's less than the surplus of last year so in actual fact it, that's not a big issue and then on to the next one which is projecting even further from into the next financial year and again all we can do is base it on what's happening in the first three months of this financial year so you'll see that the expenses for, for maintaining our minister a greater and that the reason for that is this financial year we've only only being Dave will only be with us for seven months the next financial year God willing he'll be with us all the time the whole year so clearly those costs are increased and effectively that makes our projected deficit just a little bit more 
And the point I want to make is not the point that's so often made, oh, we've got great needs, so therefore please dig into your pockets. Now the point I want to make was on that very first slide, you saw that we had a little bit of a surplus. Now how long has our church been going, folk? I'm right, I think 40 years, over 40 years. And for all the time I've been involved, and it wasn't all of those, but for quite a lot of them, every year we have just expressed thanksgiving that God has provided for our needs. Sometimes there's a little surplus, or perhaps a bigger surplus. Sometimes there's a little deficit. But over the years, the surpluses have been more than the deficits, so we've not been in need. And the lesson that we've learned is that as we give and depend on God, He, the faithful gardener, the creator God, He says, you plant the seed, I will give the harvest, and you will have seed to plant for the next year. And that has been our testimony. So the reason for showing these other slides, just to show to you, well, maybe we might, if things just continue as is, we might end up with a little deficit and then a bigger deficit the next year. It's just to say, I want you to know, we're not rolling in money. We're not saying, oh, we've got so much income, we can sit back for 10 years and nobody give anything. Building of God's temple here in this community through this church still requires us to sow the seeds and provide the resources and God is the one who gives the increase he always blesses abundantly the giving of his people so I've shown these so that you just will be aware because and now we're going to go through very quickly Paul's guidelines about giving first he says plan thoughtfully I mean, that's the whole point of his, this part of his letter finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised he said I'm sending someone I want you to, I'm sending someone to just help you get all these things for you. plan it, work it out exactly what you're going to do be conscious of it. Make firm decisions. That's the first point, he says. Secondly, he says, be generous, not grudging. A generous gift, not one grudgingly given. Thirdly, he says, prepare for a large harvest. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, inevitably will reap sparingly. I mean, the seed may produce a hundredfold, but if you only plant one seed, you're only going to get the harvest for that seed. If you plant a thousand seeds, you'll get a bigger harvest. So prepare for a large harvest. Then he says, respond to God's prompting. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, remember what I shared with you earlier about the parent and the child, and when that child begins to share some of the parent's aspirations, how there's that, bond, that wonderful bonding, how the parent grabs somebody's arms and says, I'm just so pleased with you. Did you know that you can stir God's heart to love? Just like a child can stir the parent's heart in a, some unfathomable way. We can do that with God. Because it says God loves a cheerful giver. God goes, God, I'm so pleased with you. I mean, we, we actually stir his heart. I, I cannot begin to grasp how wonderful that seems to me. God loves a cheerful giver. And he is the one who will put in your heart you see it's not under obligation and as Jesus pointed out the widow who gave so, just a couple of coins it's not on the basis of what you give how much because God is able to make the minutest seed produce a massive tree so never think oh I'm so poor I'm, I'm, I've just hardly give anything in your heart before God Father I want to be like you I don't have many resources but I just want to be like you and I know that you will produce a harvest from what is sown then fifthly trust God to provide he is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I mean, God's purpose is abundance. And I don't mean by that that his purpose is for you to be a very rich person. Now, Jesus spoke about the farmer who thought, well, I'll build a barn and store my seed. Can you imagine it? The farmer, a massive barn, and he takes you along and says, look at that. Got 10,000 bags of seed in there. And you say, what for? I mean, there's only two things you can do with seed, wheat seed. You either make bread for people to eat, or you sow it. To get a harvest what's it doing in the barn I mean God isn't in the business of building our bank balances he's in the business of providing seed for us to sow and then using the harvest to provide food for people to eat so trust him to provide and then six God will give the increase. He who supplies seed for the sower will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge 
the harvest of your righteousness. God's intention is for a harvest of those who will know him, love him, worship him. And the final point says, God's intention is abundant blessing. And so we're back to this song of praise that David encouraged his people to exuberantly burst out in when they were giving for the building of the temple. What you're doing, says Paul, it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And as we continue, our part in building God's temple in this place, this building not made with hands, of those who come to know Jesus and love him and follow him, a, a people that God dwells in. We are in the business of building it, and God's intention is that there will be an abundant harvest and that many will give expressions of thanks and praise to God as a result. So that's, that's why I was so excited about this subject this morning. Wow, what's God going to do in the next months and years? What harvest are we going to see?